listen, I don't know what you think about a mohawk, Al, but I'm thinking <laughs> that could be the look for you. Add some color in there. Yeah. Get a real tight look on the side. Mm. I think that'd be a really yeah. nice new look for you. Uh, uh, what I know about, uh, and I have studied it, about men with bulbous heads, uh, you don't want to draw a lot of attention to it. You know, you just, <laughs> you really, you really don't want to start, you know, making, you know, little zippers or or lightning strike you know anything like that it doesn't just it's not the look because there's there's a lot there you know there's a big landscape it's a big canvas i understand why artists might want to paint there but really you got to stay away from that sort of thing what does um do you have problems like in this time of year sleeping too much or are you okay your sleeping patterns are fine no, I'm kind of like you. Like, I do have an alarm, but I often am one of those people that kind of wakes up a minute or two before the alarm. And even if I've got nothing going on, say on a Sunday where all I've got to do is white baby watch football all day, is I'll still wake up at 730. No. It's it's just kind of, it is what it is now, and it's part of the routine. So wake up early, take the dog for a quick cruise, and then carry on with my day. So does Frank watch the football with you, or does Frank, like, read a paper or do the crossword puzzle? Yeah, he's more of a Sudoku guy. He likes to uh, figure out the grids. I'm uh, not a big football guy. Uh, tends to nap a lot on Sundays. That's right. kind of his, his go-to move on Sundays is uh, a lot of snoozing. If he doesn't get his 16 hours in, he gets a little bit cranky. Yeah, my dog's that way. She does word puzzles, but you know she'll she'll be she'll watch the game, but not really be interested in it unless there's some ridiculous play. Well, sure. Like if if the announcer, if Al Michaels' voice comes up to a certain register, Frank will look <laughs> up at the TV. You know. Al Michaels. Al Michaels is the only guy at a football game who doesn't want to be there. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I love the way he's going out. It's so awesome. Okay, um, the Otis turnaround has been um, truly amazing, and everybody I read either has some blame to give, whether it's you know Jay Woodcroft and his system, or yada yada yada, or some credit to give, i.e. You know, they're healthy now. And I think there's all a lot of truth in all of that. But we can't look past the fact that Connor McDavid is scoring like four points a game, can we? No, of course not. I mean, like when Connor has, what is it, 12 points in his last three, three games in a row with a three point period, that is going to help a lot of things when that happens. So having Connor McDavid just look like Connor McDavid is going to wheel this team into more wins than probably we recognize. Same with Leon, but then also there's other guys that are just that are starting to come around as well. So Connor's obviously doing what he's doing, and it's fantastic to watch him have that 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 extra step, and the hands are matching up with the feet, and everything. The shot is crisp again, and you love to see it. But then there's also some other guys that are just they're just getting the job done. Leon's starting to round into form. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has got a, two goals in his last three games. Zach Hyman has been as consistent as anybody could ever have hoped for. Evander Kane is the same thing, eight goals in his last eight games. So I think that there's part of it, and some people don't necessarily want to hear it. One, yes, Carmen David for sure. But two, the Oilers were getting PDO'd a little bit earlier in the season. Like the save percentage was low, and the shooting percentage was low, and now those are starting to normalize a little bit. And we're seeing a team that's finally getting rewarded for the work. But to, to, to credit Nobby as well, I think that there's there's some good work happening in the neutral zone. I find that there's a lot there's a lot less space for the Oilers in the neutral zone. I find that the back pressure is a lot more substantial now when they're coming back into the zone. So there's some changes, some tactical changes for sure. But I also think that some guys are starting to feel it a little bit. And you know, these guys aren't robots. 
as much as we want them to be. As much as we want Connor to go out there and score two points a game and get to 153 like he did last year, the reality is he's still a person. There's a lot of pressure he puts on himself. And it seems like he was battling injury, at least for a minute. But now that he's looking healthy, he's looking a lot more like himself. And that means the Oilers will too. So they put Hyman with McDavid and Nuge for the top line. They're, you know, playing Hamlin regularly uh, as the fourth line center. They've found a way for Nurse and CeCe to be even more effective, playing Stuart Skinner in net. These are small little tweaks and things that were available to the previous coaching staff, and I'm not saying that Jay Woodcroft is a poor coach because I think he's an excellent one. Sometimes a change, you know, is is good. Um, how much credit should we give to this coaching staff? And I include uh, Knobloch and Coffee and Stuart. Well, one thing when it comes to Stuart, the PK has been fantastic what is it, 18 kills in a row right now for the Oilers? Yeah. Like, that is something that we could have only imagined in the last three years. So that, is, that in itself is going to make a huge difference. The power play is starting to come back to life again. That's going to make a huge difference. But again, there's some small adjustments that I think Chris Knobloch has made, specifically in the neutral zone and the way the team is defending that. It's just it's giving less space for the opponent out there. I thought earlier in the season, and I don't know that that's necessarily what Jay Woodcroft has planned. Chances are, if you've got an honest answer from him, we go, nah, it's not really how we drew it up. But I think that they're subscribing to a defensive style under Chris Knobloch. And so far it's been working. They've been limiting their chances. I mean, I know against Vegas, there were still the two goals in the third period, but they only allowed five shots against in terms of trying to close out a game. It doesn't really get much better than that uh, outside of the two goals, obviously. But uh, I don't know if it's a combination of the coaching and guys just starting to feel good about themselves or all of the above, but there's a lot of good things happening right now. And I think there's some, some share of credit to go around as well. I'm going to give you a problem I gave McCurdy yesterday, uh, and I'm going to ask you to solve it. And here's here's the problem. I remember 2006, where the Oilers traded Marty Reasoner away, partly because they thought Mark Pouliot was ready for the fourth-line center job, and he got mono, and they had to bring Rem Murray back from Guam to play on the fourth line. And they were, they were strong in the top three lines, but they really could have used probably a stronger fourth-line center. You've got to be really careful with the center position. I like Ryan McLeod. I know he'll he'll turn it around. I'm not worried about him. I don't think they should deal him or anything. But if this continues, we've been talking about maybe they need a, a you know a fourth line center or a third line winger. Do you think it it might be uh, astute of them to to maybe move McLeod to the fourth line or to wing and bring in a third line center until he finds his way? I could absolutely see that. I, I you know, I, I think that some of the hyperbole around Ryan McLeod right now is interesting. Uh, to quote from you, Al, uh, some of his underlying numbers, he's pushing the river out there. So there's like, there's you'd expect some good stuff to happen for Ryan McLeod at some point. Like you'd think he'd luck into a goal here sooner or later. But I, I don't mind that ideal at all of putting him over into the wing. Like, I mean, you look at a guy that's up in the lineup a little bit more and Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he can play center and he's done it effectively. And, you know, he's kind of a Swiss army knife for any coaching staff he's played for. There's been many of them at this point, but maybe that's a similar thing for Ryan McLeod. He can play center and when he's going, he will be a center, but maybe when he's not as much shuffling him over to the wing, a little bit less responsibility, can think more about some offense. I think, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I don't understand the people that want to train Ryan McLeod. Um, there's a lot to like with this player, but just unfortunately, things aren't going his way right now. But I think it's also fair to say he's not the only one on the roster you can say that about either. 
Uh, people are asking your thoughts on the increase of difficult minutes that Ekholm Bouchard are playing. I have not seen that. I don't know that you have either. Uh, since uh, since the coaching change happened, I, I usually wait for 20 games for that to occur. Have you seen anything, and uh, what's your opinion on it? I mean, I think with specifically, I'll start with Ekholm. I think that Matthias Ekholm is finally starting to look like Matthias Ekholm. I think that there are times where a player with injury, you know, he missed all of training camp, all of the preseason, then he's expected to get up to pace immediately, but it takes a minute. You know, he's a guy in the, he's a guy in his mid thirties and the boots aren't the quickest in the first place. So it was going to take him a minute to kind of settle in and look more like the Matias Ekholm we need him to be. And I personally think that's starting to happen. And when he elevates his game, that's also going to help Evan Bouchard play a little calmer. And I think that that's happening for both of those guys. I, I think that the focus on Evan Bouchard's defense is obviously significant. Um, we've seen the mistakes, but there's also the offensive side of what he does, which is electric. But I think both of those guys are just kind of settling in a little bit. Sometimes it takes a minute. I don't know that there's always a magic solution for what's going on, but I, I do think that those two as a pairing are starting to look a little bit more comfortable and it's boating well on the ice. So people are asking me as well to congratulate you on all your listens on the Spotify rap. Are you, are you, did, who was your lead uh, artist this year? Uh, well, you know what? I, um, I don't actually, I'm not a Spotify guy. If I have to oh. pick a team, if I have to choose a side, if we're doing Bloods versus Crips, I am on team Apple music and they don't give me my yearly rap, at least not that I know of. Okay. So I can't tell you who it is. I'm going to go ahead and guess it's probably Blink-182. I love them. I have since I'm a kid. So they're probably right up there, but who comes second through fifth? That could be anyone's business. But from my personal side, I've been sharing them a lot on my personal social. Seeing Better Late Than Never, which is my kind of weirdo podcast I do with my studio at home, mm-hmm. be in people's top listening listens for podcasts is super, super rewarding because it's a very, very niche thing that I do over there. It's very, very odd and bizarre. And to see people responding to it and a little community growing around it is very, very special to me, and I'm very grateful. Well, and you built, right? Like, I mean, I, 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 I've been doing it for 20 years, and people say, oh, you're, you know, whatever. But I, I started before anybody. For, for somebody who came along a, bit, a little bit later, it's hard, but you've done really well. Yeah, it's hard. It takes at-bats. It takes failure. It takes effort. It takes changes. It takes, I kind of think about it as the baseball analogy is that you get enough at-bats and you get your swings in. Eventually, you'll start to connect with something um, or you have to pivot. And I think that I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at understanding that. And, you know, I've been reading lowtie.ca for a thousand years now, it feels like. <laughs> and it just kind of, it was one of those inspirations to get going way back in the day when the oil logosphere was just kind of getting going. And it really is a product of work and at bats and, you know, being consistent. Well, and also I think it's a passion, right? Like the, the you know, there are days like during this, this losing streak, I was like, you know, how many more years do I want to do this? And then when they started winning, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember why I want to do this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, winning cures everything, doesn't it? And um, it, it was, it was, it's been trying through the first 20-odd games of the season. I know that the Oilers are starting to look more like the Oilers right now, and that makes it a lot more fun. And I think that the city just in general is a better place to be when the Oilers are good because it's an escape for so many of us, and for some of us lucky enough to cover it as a job, it's one thing. But for a lot of people, just life's more fun when the Oilers are winning. Do you have a second nickname aside from Bag Milk? No, that's the only one I've gotten. Quite frankly, it's terrible. Had I known this was going to be my career at 38 years of age, I probably would have picked something cooler when I came up with it at 19. But it's it's sort of like Kid Rock, right? It's too late now. Yeah, it's too late now. It is what it is. I'm like a rapper in the sense that nobody cares about the real name. Everybody knows what Bag Milk is. 
Um, so I'll stick with it. I'll live with it. It's kind of turned into a thing, and I'm happy with where it's gone and the response to it overall. But, uh, yeah, it probably wasn't the smartest choice to call myself <laughs> bagged milk when I was 19 years old. Well, you know, we all did silly things when we were young, and often we have to pay for them for a lifetime. So, you know, been there, done that, and uh, we can talk about it over a, a beer. Amen. Sounds great to me. All right, my friend. Be good. Thank you.